Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. We, the people, cannot turn back. Yeah. Welcome in. Finally back to normal. Welcome in to Libservative. Uh, I'm not sure this big thing is on the screen here, Corey. I got it. I was adjusting my mic. Is that like our backup (laughs) thing? Corey's the one that controls all that. He's Corey Walsh. Yeah, it's the B screen. And he's Dan Griffin. (laughs) And I am back on a, from a week and a half long adventure across the coast. Across the country. An exhausting vacation. Actually, Corey, was. we were talking a little bit pre-show. Corey could probably just go ahead and write a book based on his train ride and the people that he met on it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was pretty cool. I'm probably going to do my monologue on it next week. I didn't get to it this week. But yeah, from uh, jewelers to oil rig people to people in the army to people in communes, left, right, center. The thing that seems interesting about... The thing that seems interesting about riding the train across the country is that pretty much everywhere you are, at least according to what you've told me, Corey, is that you basically have no cell phone service and you're forced to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. 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 On this close quartered uh, little torpedo hurtling through the middle of nowhere at 55 miles an hour. If you got the time, I recommend it, man. The train ride is really fucking cool. And, and I'll have to maybe I'll post some pictures on the uh, page to show like all the different stuff. And speaking of the page, if you're here and you're listening, make sure to like, follow, share Facebook on all of our social media and podcast platforms. We are on Facebook at Libservative. We are on Twitch and Twitter and YouTube at Libservative Pod. We are on WordPress at Libservative Podcast at WordPress.com, which we could find the transcripts to our monologues. You can reach us directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. And we're on TikTok, which we still haven't. We're there. <laughs> Especially this last week, I haven't posted anything. I promise we post we daily in most effects, but I've been traveling the world. Hey, look, seeing we, a bunch of wild shit. It's just the two of us. We're we're the only people that that work on this. We don't have just we don't have a we don't have a ton of help. Corey needed a, a vacation, so here we yeah, are. Yeah, and I definitely had one. You see this bottle? There's only like maybe like four fingers left in it in the bottom. <laughs> I bought this before I hopped on the train and then drank most of it in three days. Basil Hayden aged subtle smoke. Kentucky State Bird. Let me tell you about that Donald Trump. He's (laughs) as on the train going, let me tell you why you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was a lot of fun. It was literally cool. And like one thing that I got out of this, like everyone is generally just nice good-natured folk everyone is did whether you, it was someone on the left or the right or you know all over the all over the spectrum everyone was just super friendly and kind and i was gonna ask like that's what did you have any political conversations with people i had quite a few yeah. i mostly listened to other people's because i was pretty inebriated <laughs> and uh, the wrong question i was on a vacation from my problems <laughs> so I just let other people talk because I wasn't going to just sit there on the train this whole time. Go, listen, this is why you're wrong. Did you ever so get the like, feeling that you could have a good faith conversation with these people? 
I mean, everyone else was having good faith conversations of their own. I feel like I could have, I could have interjected. I just didn't have the, uh, the gumption to, I was enjoying the scenery, just enjoying myself. So, so, so basically what you're saying is that when people are stuck in a train car together, they have to sit in the train car together, right? They can't get up and leave, right? They can't get off the right. train. And it, it, it doesn't have to do with, you know, 240 characters and keyboard warrioring about like how evil Trump supporters are or how evil the pedophile Democrats are. When yeah. they actually sit in a train car face to face talking to each other, you it's amazing. You might actually engage in a decent good faith conversation when you interact with human beings that way. Yeah, the way people like are careful not to offend each other about things. Like it was interesting. Like if it was on social media versus in person, it would have been like way different. So like for example, when we met people in person who were like definitely conservative, they would say, "Oh, well, you just you know stay away from Portland. That place is really really <laughs> weird and liberal." And we were in Port all up in Portland's guts for a couple of days before that, and we loved it. It's like a Ferndale times a million, and it's quirkiness and weirdness, and it's just a great great time. And we were, we were like, actually, the one girl, she's like, actually, I'm thinking about moving to Portland. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. And it's like, <laughs> it was just funny to see that, like, they quickly put away their little political opinions to just keep a conversation and keep it friendly and keep it light. And it's not like if it was online, they'd be like, oh, well, you're an idiot, stupid Democrat libtard. But I like in person, it was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't mean to offend you. You know, and, it's, and she's like, no, no, it's fine. You know, like. I like the quirkiness and things like that. And it's just enjoy walking through human shit every day. Dude. Dumb dude, turd. There are a lot, a lot, a lot of homeless people mm-hmm. in Portland. It's absolutely astonishing to me that like, just like every 30, 40 feet, there's a tent. Now, like that's why that doesn't really bother me. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I still really enjoyed the city. It was a lot of fun. The cool dive bars, the sights, the scenery, the people, everything was great, but yeah, they definitely have a very big homeless problem. Well, it didn't bother you, but would you think it would bother you if you lived there? I guess it would depend on where I live. So I was talking to a friend that lives there, the wedding I was standing in, and he said that uh, it's a weird thing that's happening in that city because what they're doing is like they're kind of like pushing all the homeless out of like the nicer neighborhoods and letting them go to like the, the cheaper neighborhoods, and then the laws like protect them technically everywhere. Of where they're allowed to stay, but they're only, but they're like not necessarily enforced or like they're kind of pushed aside in like the really nice neighborhoods and they force them all into like the poorer neighborhoods. It's like an interesting reverse gentrification thing going on there. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Is that a thing? I don't know. Uh, yeah. So stay tuned for Corey's memoirs. Uh, and his, and his <laughs> train, train ride across the Corey's country. Corey's travels across the country. Uh, there's a bit. There's a there's a number that's been. Hi, Amy. Around. Welcome to the page. There's a number that's been f- uh, floating around a lot today. That number is forty, Corey. Do you know what that forty represents? Uh, the degree in Michigan right now in Celsius. <laughs> no, but close. Uh, you were almost dead on. Uh, it's the number of feet away that the January sixth rioters allegedly got from uh, Vice President Mike Pence on that fateful morning. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I heard about that at, yeah. at the Capitol. Which it, I mean, I've seen I've seen this like all over the place. Like, oh my God, how close! How close the rioters were to taking out Mike Pence. And like, I'm looking at this number forty, and I'm going, I think most Americans care a little bit more about the number eight. You know what that number represents? The inflation, the percentage uh, of inflation, and I'm in. I'm not. 
I'm not one of those people that's going to like jump on and be like, oh, you shouldn't care about what happened on January 6th because gas prices are too high. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is like that's the pulse of the American people right now. Yeah. You're noticing it based on the fact that the primetime uh, hearings got no ratings, even though they were on every fucking channel, to the point where they had to put it back to their regular time slot, back on C-SPAN, because people just have what is to them more important things to worry about. So I did still want to break this down only because I, f- I, still, f- I still find it fascinating for, for, for various reasons. One is that it, 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 this is one of the things that has, it just frustrates me about Democrats all the time. Even though I've voted for this party my entire life, I'm rethinking that uh, considerably. Okay, uh, Elon Musk. Yeah. Well, no. Well, I'm not. I'm not just going to jump over and vote Republican either. Like let's <laughs> let's let's take let's take let's take a step back on that one. But it's it, it's so frustrating to me because you can see what they're trying to do, man. Like this is this is a push to to scare Democratic voters uh, to the polls in November because they know they're going to get bushwhacked. I mean, for 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 historical reasons and for reasons that they that they put on themselves. I mean, parties that have this much power traditionally gets smoked in the midterms republican or democrat like that's generally what happens in midterm elections like this the democrats are just making it easier for the republicans this time and and don't don't get me wrong the republicans are doing some things that are kind of you know giving some clout back to the democrats as well like neither party can seem to figure out what the hell they're trying to do to win these fucking midterms but like that's that's what i see this to being because we're what I think we're three hearings through now. I'm losing track already, uh, but it's it's all just a bunch of shit we already know and playing on our emotions. And like like today's hearing, what was it about to you, Corey? It was about uh, it was mostly about Mike Pence and about this this um, this push of of just letting the American people know what they already know, which is the election wasn't stolen. <laughs> we already know this. Like, like, where, where, where's the new revelation? Right. Some people, right. There, some, yeah, some people are saying the Ginny Thomas thing, which you've looked into a little bit. Yeah, that's the only thing that I found. In it. That's just such a weird angle in all of this. You know, uh, if you want to talk about that, we can. Ginny Thomas was the wife of Justice Clarence Thomas, and she was emailing and like talking to. Uh, the lawyer John Eastman, who was Trump's lawyer, and she was talking to Meadows, who was the uh, chief of staff, and like telling them that they need to make it so this uh, election is overturned. And following that weird thing that Eastman said that it could be done legally when it's there's no constitutional basis for it. And uh, that's 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 where my like eyes are kind of pointed to. I want to see where this goes because it's interesting that the. Uh, Justice uh, Clarence Thomas, like, was the the only dissenter when the, to, to rule against Trump's uh, records to be released and not shielded from the January sixth committee investigation. And so I wonder if he was like, if there's uh, personal interest, like he's like trying to protect and hide uh, hide what they know about um hide what his wife was into like doing and like all the the tw- the texts and emails. I'm not exactly sure what that's about, but that just, that's just something that interests me. You know, I'm a big fan of accountability and transparency. I guess what's 
If it was Biden, I'd be saying the same damn thing. You know what I Agre- mean? Agreed. Agreed. And what, what I keep seeing is is like, oh, you know, Ginny Thomas was in touch with uh, with Eastman and um, and the the uh, the Trump White House between the election and January sixth. Okay, well that's that's three months <laughs> or two two months, whatever it is. Right. It's, like it's, how often was she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird that the wife of a Supreme Court justice is like talking to a presidential administration in that way and in that capacity as often as she was. It's that's why I find weird. it interesting. Yeah, it's weird. It's 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 weird and it and it seems suspicious, but I just it's just another one of those things where without any new revelations coming out, what are you trying to prove simply by saying that Jenny Thomas was in contact with these people? It's because they're scared that Trump's going to win, so they think they're so they think with their playbook that worked in sixteen of just disparaging him more and more is going to work in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty two or twenty twenty four. I mean, it's so funny because they did they did talk. Quite a bit about uh, about Eastman and his little his little conspiracy about you know how uh, he was he was telling Trump that uh, Pence had the the power to overturn the election results and all I can think of is Donald Trump sitting there listening to him going John I like what you're saying I like what you're saying let's go with that we're gonna run with that like that's that's what I think it was because Trump's this yep. person that just he's so. Uh, I don't even want to say I don't even want to use the word like maniacal. I just think he's he's kind of dumb and super and, and a super egomaniac. And when somebody tells him something that he wants to hear, he just runs with it. I just Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I think that's been that was his entire presidency. That that's what what's what it was for this January sixth situation. What what I think is like these hearings and, and the Democrats that are so afraid of Donald Trump with the Trump derangement syndrome, they're honestly giving Trump too much credit. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He didn't try to orchestrate some sort of coup. And like I said before, it's just the whole thing is what what cracks me up about it is like this this coup that we're still saying like the constitution was like on the brink, the democracy was in jeopardy. Really? Like you know what I mean? Like really like all it takes is a hundred people or so to bust into a building and then just like I said before, just have squatters rights and then just get the chill on there and then that's it. Like, oh well, we they, it's theirs now. <laughs> you know, like, like give me a break. It was a it was a riot. It was the same type of thing. Like there's people in there talking about how they want to tear the whole system down and change it, sure. But that happens in every protest I've ever been to. Every riot like I've never been to a riot, but <laughs> protest, and, yeah. Every protest I've done, they've talked about tearing down the system and putting in, you know, and like fixing it. And like, it's just, it's rhetoric. So like that alone doesn't bother me. Um, Breaking into the Capitol. It's like, it's shitty, you know, like that idea of what they did, the trespassing and they're getting fines. uh, They're getting uh, punished accordingly with different trespassing, breaking up. What was the other ones? Like breaking up a government. People have been tried. People have been convicted. People have been sentenced. There hasn't really been any insurrection. Things I don't think that would even really been tried with insurrection because you have to approve that in a court of law, and they know it's not going to hold up in the court of law, so they're not even trying those challenges. But my God, the corporate media certainly loves that word, don't they? Yeah, but the corporate media can say anything they want. <laughs> look how look what they did to Kyle Rittenhouse. Except for USA Today, which we'll get to a little bit later on in the show. Stay tuned for that one. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, that's some that's some good news. Um, but yeah, yeah, like I I haven't really paid much attention to the January sixth thing. We're not finding anything out new, really. It's just uh, 
the Ginny Thomas thing. Maybe Clarence Thomas should. There's that, and it's just it's it's the interesting uh, it's the interesting dichotomy between where the pulse of the American people is and where the media and our government thinks it is. Like if if this if this hearing doesn't demonstrate the disconnect between regular Americans and the coastal elites. I don't yeah. I don't know what else does because the coastal elites and obviously Washington DC think that this is the biggest deal that there is. Right? And meanwhile, people are, you know, struggling to get baby formula and struggling to put gas in their tanks, which is I, I and I, and I know that that sounds so like it, <laughs> it it sounds like a deflection, but it's not. Like I I care about and I think you do too, Corey, where the pulse of the American people are. If the, if, the, right. if the American people gave a shit about January 6th, who am I to say, right? There's 300 million people in this country, but that's just that's just not what I'm seeing except for from the coastal elites. Yeah, the only people I see really talking about this are uh, political junkies. I didn't get I didn't hear January 6th mentioned once in the last week and a half. You know what I did get hear it mentioned? Inflation, gas prices, gas prices, baby food shortages, and uh the homelessness but that's because i was in portland but uh even that's still that's still a warranted issue that no one's talking about when you ask people in washington to talk about it it's like oh it's it's just temporary it's temporary uh the fed's gonna i think the i think the fed's gonna rate is raising interest rates again now by uh 0.75 yeah three quarters of a percent yeah yeah again yeah it uh it depended you know like like i was saying like when i was in hood river there was a guy telling us, you got to stay out here in the Dallas. Don't go into Portland. It's dangerous. There's shootings and it's it's crazy there. It's this big liberal city. And I'm thinking, well, first off, I'm from Detroit. So <laughs> Portland's pretty mild, bud. But uh, it was just really fun when you meet people. Like, even though we were only like an hour away from Portland, like how red it got really fast. That's but and, uh, that's that's very similar to here, right? Like if you, yeah, like you, very you, similar to here. You can go from downtown Detroit to uh, like the Ortonville area north of Detroit in an hour. And you're gonna see let's go Brandon flags every other house when you get when you get that far north. So that that's the thing. It's like it's this 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 weird constant concentration of elites wherever they are. Or at least the people that support them. I don't know. Look, it's pretty obvious to me that people just don't care. And I don't care who fixes it. I don't care how it gets fixed. I just care that it gets done, or at least there's some some attempt other than oh, well, here's the Fed. Here, Fed, you figure this out. Yeah, and that's just, that's just it too with that actual that. Like everyone tries to. Our representatives have created a bunch of BS institutions and bureaucracies, and they just pass everything off to either those or the Supreme Court. They don't do their own damn job because they can't. They're paralyzed because they're so hyper, like partisanship. Uh, you know what I mean? They're just cut to pieces. Based on their ideologies and their uh, bipolar two-party system. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Bipolar <laughs> indeed, Corey. Uh, look, something that ties into this that I don't think most Americans really are aware of at this point was the, let me find it here, the uh, election of Myra Flores uh, in the 34th district in Texas in a special election. Now, you have to take this with a grain of salt, but... For those who don't know who Myra Flores is, she is a Mexican-born Republican. 
that won a congressional district that has been Democratic since, like, the 1880s or something like that. She comes in as an immigrant and a Republican and wins it on the economy and, of course, border protection, because that's that's a pretty common conservative value in that part of the country for reasons that I don't think you and I could ever understand because we're not from there. We don't have those issues. Uh, I don't typically agree with the rhetoric that they put out there. But again, I have no idea what it's like to live in a border in a border district or a border town or what the hell's actually going on on the ground down there. Even if I went to take a look, I wouldn't have any comprehension and, 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 and most people wouldn't. Um, yeah, to pretend that what's going on there is normal is uh, living in a fantasy world. So what's interesting about this to me is Myra Flores goes and wins this special election as a Republican, as a brown person, and as an immigrant. And you still have the Democratic Party doing what they do best, which is what inf- which, which is what infuriates me about them, which is which is the thing that has made me mostly abandon them. Stick to January 6th. Stick to identity politics. Accuse Republicans of being white supremacists when you have this young lady here. Do you do you think MSNBC is going to talk about the victory of Myra Flores in Texas? No. You think no, CNN is going to talk scared. about it? That's why I said, is this the beginning of a red tide? Because it doesn't fit their narrative, right? And look, we've talked about this a bunch of times, Corey. We're going to see a red wave here in 2022. I, I can I can pre- I can predict the next at least two years for you. We're going to see a red wave here in 2022. We're going to have a Republican House. We're going to have a Republican Senate, and we're still going to have a Democratic president. And all we're going to do is have Congress and the president slinging mud at each other. The president doesn't get anything done, uh, or the president blocks Congress, a Republican Congress at every turn. He vetoes every bill. And then Biden will come on TV and he'll say, the Republicans uh, won't compromise with me. You know, very similar to the this the the Obama rhetoric that we saw following the 2012 midterms. Not and and all we're going to see is these two asinine parties pissing and moaning and bitching at each other and blaming the other side. Because if you blame the other side, you don't actually have to do anything. And how do we know they're going to do that? It's because it's the same damn thing they've been doing for the past 30 years. And it's the same people. It's, yeah, it's the, the same, same people. people for the past 30 years. The average age of a of a house rep, I believe, is like 74. What That's are so we doing here? Gross. Um, back to the Myra Flores thing, though. I think you do have to take this with a little, little grain of salt because this was a special election. Nobody fucking turns out for these things. She won with under 15,000 votes in a, de- in a district that typically... Uh, let me go back to the 2022... Uh, where's the general 2022 general or I'm sorry 2020 general yeah and in a district that generally is going to get about 200,000 votes in a in a a general election so you know what is it what does this mean I don't know is it did she just win because nobody showed up I don't know um so so but to me it's it's at least interesting and it's something that the democratic party should definitely be paying attention to but they aren't going to Orange man bad. Man. Orange man bad. Your screen's black, Corey. I don't think anybody can see you. My screen's black. <laughs> yeah. Nobody can see your pretty beard. How about now? Oh, you're still black. Did you did you did you lose a little bit of a uh, camera connection there? 
I don't think so. I'm seeing it on my screen. Let me reset this. Boom. I'll be right back. All right. I'll just talk to myself here. Now, look, if the if the Democrats don't pay closer attention to what's actually going on, because I think this is indicative of, of what we saw and, and f- sort of um, a furthering of what we saw in 2020, which is that we saw more Latino voters voting for Trump. That's the direction it's trending. We're also seeing Texas oddly become a little bit more blue because we're getting that California migration to places like Austin and Houston. But to me, the more interesting th- that's I, I don't think there's anything that Republicans can necessarily do about the California migration. That's just going to happen. You're going to have more blue votes coming into the state. It's more concerning for the Democrats because they're losing voters they, that that they already had. Yeah, they're getting drowned out by uh, conservative uh, counties. I had an interesting thought as you said that. I wonder if we're seeing because right now, you know, that the polarization in our country is so like geographical that I wonder if we're seeing that like as these the blue states leave their little homes of like their blue havens and blend into the red. If their views will get a little muddled and we'll find uh, more of a common ground with a lot of people. Does that make sense? Yeah, but it just, it just depends on whether or not they're willing to actually have the conversations because uh, I think a discussion you and I had maybe, maybe about a month ago is that the, I don't want to say by design, but as, as sort of a side effect of the way our society is built I feel like conservatives, I don't want to say they're necessarily more open-minded, particularly when you get to the, um, to the, to the far corners of, of being to the right, but they're more inundated with like liberal media and liberal films. And they, they, they're, they're kind of forced to interact with liberalism in a way that I just don't think liberals are. You know, if you live in New, if you live in New York City, or you live in LA, or you live in San Francisco, or Portland, or even Austin at this point, you you can completely shut yourself off from conservative views. You never have to see them. And right. so I just I, th- I feel like while maybe conservatives aren't necessarily more open minded, they're better prepared for these arguments. If that makes sense, they're more exposed. Hundred yeah. percent. That's that's all I had to say. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you figure they're going in, especially in like. Like they're digesting the culture, which is in our, which we have right now, is very liberal, and they're hearing a lot of liberal views, and then they're going home and digesting their conservative news outlet. So they're seeing both sides of the topic. Now, their counterbalance to it is obviously probably very flawed <laughs> if it's Fox News, but they are still hearing both sides versus someone who just, you know, lives in a liberal area like you know and just digest liberal stuff at home and then goes out and then everything's pretty liberal the schools the institutions everything and then they come corporations home. they come home and they watch rachel maddow and go to sleep and do it all over again the next day Lim- Lim- i love is- how it's just rachel or tucker is it just our, <laughs> our faces for the left and the right that's the caricatures we have for anyone who we think watches establishment media you know what's funny is like we say that but it's as far as establishment media goes they are but they're, they're really not that representative of, of of the left or the right at this point they're not they're no, not really representative of just the a part of the really feel of the crazy cog in the wheel that we call the establishment 
which is really like you know i don't know what made me think of this but uh so when i was on the train just a little tangent train story for you i'll probably be pulling these out every once in a while but i'm sitting there and like it literally this was the perfect imagery of like what our uh political system and like our government establishment is is the perfect representation so i'm sitting on the train we had a service stop we were in uh Haver, Montana, I think. If I said that right, it's either white. It was either Whitefish or Haver, and they had it was the service stop. So the fucking guy had to come up with like the septic tank truck <laughs> and like take the shit out, you know. <laughs> Dude, this fucking poor guy must have been his first day because <laughs> he didn't have it hooked up right. Oh no! And when he opened up the valve, it started spraying. Like out the sides where it was hooked up by the truck. <laughs> it just sprayed all over him. He had it all over his hat and oh, stuff like God. that. Oh, God. And then he had to sit there and then he shut it off real quick and fixed it and got it going. But then he had to sit there and You want to know vacuum. something that's just ah! nuts? Over the last two years, the U.S. has printed nearly 80%. Quiet. <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> and then he had to sit there with the vacuum and just vacuum up shit off the ground, covered in shit. <laughs> and just watching him scramble as shit's going everywhere was like, yeah, that's that's that that sums up our uh our our, our Congress in a nutshell. But dude, it was fucking hilarious. There you go. I got it. I just I pictured it. the guy we, the whole know, it's time. Funny. It's funny, Corey, is we have actual we have actual audio of uh, of that incident uh, on your train. I don't know who captured this, but it's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, shitter's full. Yep. <laughs> shitter's full. I was just picturing the song that. Yeah, yeah, all good. Oh man, but yeah, it was uh, it was a sight to see. That's a nice little train tale for you. And the shitter being full is uh. A, a, a nice comparison to Congress. Sounds like there's an unhappy child in the Uh-oh. hallway. There's something happening out there. Uh, hopefully he didn't have to empty the shitter. Uh, cool. You, you want to talk about this bipartisan gun deal? We want to talk about some 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 good news, although a lot of people would actually find this to be bad news. but uh, Yeah, you know, it's a compromise that's going to make people on both sides unhappy. And if that's what it has to be, then we might be onto something. But yeah, isn't that isn't isn't the the mark of is isn't the old saying the mark of any good negotiation is when both sides walk away unhappy? Yeah, I believe so. But you also have the no compromise gun people that are just you know because they don't really understand what the word infringe means. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. There's that, a big difference between infringe and inconvene. Yeah, they throw they throw the word infringe around uh, a lot, and they they don't really know what it means, and I don't think they understand that that word actually does leave room for regulation. Um, it's another topic for another day, but uh, a bipartisan group of senators struck an agreement on gun safety over the weekend and what could be the most significant measure on the issue in decades uh, if the legislation passes. So here's what was in it or what is in this kind of handshake deal between 10 Democratic senators and 10 Republican senators. Uh, It's going to be increased background checks for gun buyers. And I think if I'm not mistaken, oh, okay, so under 21, so 18 to 21. Increased background checks for gun buyers. Uh, they're talking about uh, incentives. Now that includes not just pistols, but long rifles as well. Yes, um, and I and uh, 
also the uh, state incentives f- for instituting uh, red flag laws. They're closing the boyfriend loophole, which honestly, I don't care what kind of gun rights person you are. This is a good thing. Um, yeah, I don't understand how it's a lot. It's the boyfriend loophole. How like if you have domestic violence or restraining order against someone, if you're married, then you can have like you can lose your rights to your guns. But if you're a boyfriend, it doesn't count. Right. It doesn't exactly. make any damn sense to me. So I wanted to also add that the background checks you're talking about wouldn't just be federal, but it would also uh, bring in uh, state and local law enforcement, which is a big thing because sometimes you can break the law federally, but then like a state and local database might not read that and vice versa. Right. And if you have like a small like domestic di- disturbance or domestic violence case in the local area, it's not going to be in federal. Boy, can you see that group of IT nerds trying to get that right? Uh, mental health, <laughs> mental health support, and school safety resources. So basically, throwing money at something. And this is the one that kind of concerns me because it's the one that makes sense, right? Um, but it just gives so much opportunity for our government to bungle it up like everything else. And that's the problem. And I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Our government has done a, it does a really shitty job of allocating resources and spending money effectively just go back to uh uh Corey's uh what was it uh uh private park versus public park story it wasn't yeah. it wasn't yeah, yeah, yours yeah. but you're the one who found it here on the show um federally licensed firearm dealers and straw man purchasing so they're going to have stiffer penalties for uh, did I say straw man I meant straw purchasing <laughs> straw purchasing yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh and uh um, changing or clarifying the definition of what a federally licensed firearm dealer is. So this is the one that folks point to that shuts down the argument of, well, you know, uh, all gun legislation does is hurts the uh, law-abiding citizen, right? Because criminals still get guns illegally. They're not going to stop getting guns illegally. Well, this stops that. This Or this helps uh, stem the tide of guns being purchased for people. Right it through through straw purchases, so somebody that sh- can't have a gun will still will still get a gun. Yeah, which um, I'm okay with. If you're gonna be if you want to be a responsible gun owner, then you have to be responsible. Your gun has to have a, some sort of tracker because if something happens and it gets taken from you, it can be like. Does that make sense? It's like a car when you have a when you have a when you have a a possession that's like really important or it can be used for things that like you wouldn't have the intent for, I guess the, uh, you know, guns have a registration number and to have that registration number attached to you. And I just think is important because then if it's found somewhere else, you could, it just, it helps build like, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going well, and, and, to, and to clarify, I think, I think I know kind of where you're going with this to clarify that that doesn't necessarily mean that the, that you and that registration ever have to be in some database that law enforcement can look up. You just have to hold something, you know, a, a card. That says the gun is legally yours. Yeah, yeah. A card or something where that number on that gun matches, matches the, 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 the card in the, the or car, whatever it is, a card or a tattoo. I don't give a shit what it is. Which right now, if you buy the gun legally yourself, that's already in place. It's guns that are being bought for people that aren't supposed to have them by other people. Like, let's say you weren't supposed to have a gun. I went and bought a gun and then just gave it to you. Yeah, and I would purchase it from you through a straw purchase. Yeah, there wouldn't be a federally licensed. There wouldn't, because like, there's laws and a lot of this stuff that's actually like really strict. Like, so like the legislation could clarify the federally licensed firearm dealers. So like, when you, 
if I were to buy a gun off of you personally in the state of Michigan, if we wanted to do it legally, I would have to go. We'd have to. You'd have to get the gun from you. I'd have to go to like a, a dealer who has the the federal license firearm, the FFL license, and then they would have to do the transfer with the registration, almost like going to SOS for a car. Mm-hmm. Secretary of State in Michigan or DMV uh, in other states. So does that makes sense. It does, but to, to me, I look at this the the mental health support angle of this, right? So. I was listening to, um, this isn't a guy I always agree with because he's sometimes a little too uh, liberal for my liking, but um, oh, what's his name? I already, I already lost it. Um, damn it! Richard, Wolf, Richard Wolf, the economist. Um, so he was, uh, he was talking about mental health and the way to spend the money, right? So we just... A lot, everybody, when it comes to where government's spending its money, people have been pointing to Ukraine, 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 right? Why the hell are we sending $80, $80 billion to Ukraine? So uh, Wolf did the math, and if you put a licensed psychologist in every single public school in America at about $70,000 a year, which maybe that's not enough, but that's the number he went with, you're talking about less than half of the money that you've that you sent to Ukraine in one fell swoop. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing I was saying. Remember, there's 139,000 schools in our country. You take that 40 billion sent to Ukraine and you divvy that up. It's like 300 thousand dollars a school. So, what would this school psychologist do? Uh, I think they would have a very specific job, and it would just simply be monitoring the student base. Right? It would be. Figuring out who's bullying, figuring out who's getting bullied, figuring out who's uh, like mentally unstable. Now, I understand that that's a relative term when you're talking especially about an adolescent child, but just keeping a better eye on the population of the school because teachers have enough shit to do, right? Administrators have enough right. shit to do. Exactly. The teachers are to teach and, you know, and help rear children up to becoming a functional member of society. The principal's there as administration to make sure the whole school is doing what they're supposed to, to help children do that. And therapists and psychologists are supposed to be there for like the mental health of students. And I think one thing they need to change like off the bat is they do need more psychologists. And I think that these psychologists need to be more active and less passive. Like they shouldn't be sitting around waiting for students to come to them with the problem. The students should just have like a once a month, you know, maybe once every two week meeting with the psychologist. Just say, hey, what's up? How you feeling? What's going on? Any issues you want to talk about? Things like that. I think that that alone would help, would uh, catch a lot of slips through the cracks, I guess. At least, at, at least when we're talking about, you know, school shootings. Right. Or just in general, just the mental health for children, because it doesn't like that's the thing. Everyone always goes to the school shooting because it affects other people. But there's kids that just have mental anguish and they're often themselves that no one talks about all the time. And I think this would circumvent that. It would circumvent self-harm. It would circumvent people lashing out at other people and bullying and stuff because they have their own mental health issues. I just think it would be good for (laughs) the mental health in general of the students. The other one that I liked, uh, what was it? Um... State incentives for red flag laws? No. So that's the one that I don't like, <laughs> yeah. the red flag laws. Yeah. Um, stop purchasing, shore that up, sure. 
mental health, absolutely. Uh, the increased background checks for gun buyers, I'm okay with that. Like, it's something that's already done for pistols. It just can be expanded to rifles. I don't, you know, that's the sound infringement. The red flag laws is the one that just kind of stops me in my tracks a little bit. Even you know, even me, even me, and and I'm, you know, I'm first I'm, off. It sounds great on paper. Yeah, it sounds great on paper. It sounds great too if you have somebody mentally unstable to take their gun away. Sure. But it's just, it's a process that is going to be similar to a restraining order. And it's just a process that I just don't honestly think will work, honestly. It's, it's too arbitrary. Yes. When, when, uh, when human beings are, and I, and I understand it would be court ordered, but still, a, 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 a judge is still a person, right? When, when, you're, when you're talking about somebody like say i don't know it could be a pissed off girlfriend who knows right a pissed, or off, pissed off boyfriend pissed it off boyfriend right yeah right is there gonna be is there going to be uh countermeasures or any sort of fallback for somebody who is doing this out of like like anger and like in bad faith to where let's say it's someone who just wants the piss off an act. So they, they call and say, this guy's unhinged. He needs his guns taken away when there was no threat. Is that person like, you know, like people who claim fake rape, is there going to be punishment for these people who cry wolf? Because if there is not, then we're setting up a door for the whole judicial system to be bogged down with a bunch of bad faith actors and situations that because someone's pissed off at someone, and all that's going to do is make, bog down the system and make the other red flag laws in a situation where it would be helpful, less impactful because the judge is going to be busy dealing with three other cases that are bullshit. Two words, Amber Heard. <laughs> uh, right. Like, could um, you just using that as an example? Like, could you imagine if Jesse Smollett, if there was a re- like, if because uh, I, I don't know where they lived or whatever, or if the state that they lived full-time together had red flag laws or whatever but let's just say that they did and and this was and this was a real thing and amber heard calls the police and says uh uh johnny's been abusing me he needs his guns taken away and then it had taken all the way up until this defamation lawsuit for him to get his fucking guns back like you've removed this man right. you've legally removed this man's rights to legally own a firearm for whatever it is two years i mean or six years or whatever it's been now he, i'm sure he would have gotten him back before that but who knows how long right you're literally yeah. having a, a you're you're waiting for the courts to move through a slow process. Meanwhile, you've lost your rights to uh to, right, to and, it, and so and then it would be similar to a restraining order. Like it would have to be signed by a judge, you know. So they'd have to go to so the person would have to call the police on this person, and then they'd have to go to the police station, file like a red flag thing, and then a judge would have roughly twenty four hours to sign the waiver for it. And then the police are going to have to go and track down that person. So we're talking two or three days of this person that's already calm, you know, possibly. <laughs> it's just, it sounds good on paper, but when it comes to actually implementing it, it's just, I just don't see it being that impactful. Not that impactful at all. You know what else sounds good on paper? Communism. <laughs> How well did that work out? Right. <laughs> but yeah, no, like I the intentions there, I don't think that it could definitely, like it definitely could be used nefariously. I could see issues because now you're putting it, you're adding an unnecessary interaction with people 
who might not need the police to show up to their house and they don't, and they're the furthest thing from their mind is the police showing up at their house and the police are going there thinking they're going after someone that has a red flag issue. And you have someone just passed out on their couch on their, in their bed, sleeping with their wife. And then they hear someone at their back door trying to break in. They don't think it's the police coming to take their guns. They think it's a burglar. They're coming thinking the guy has a gun. And then it's just, it just spells out a recipe for disaster. We want we want bloodshed. less unnecessary reactions or uh, interactions with the police, not more. Right? Yeah, so, like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, I don't yeah. think red flag laws are just gonna work. It just puts an undue burden on the judicial system. I don't. If someone's going nuts, I don't think it's <laughs> the the uh, the really shitty slow judicial system is going to circumvent them doing something if they're actually unhinged. I don't think. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just that one's not the answer. I like raising weight. I like raising the age. I like the uh, boyfriend mixing the boyfriend loophole. Mental health support and safety, but red flag laws I'm not necessarily with because even if they were done right and in good faith, it would still be such a shitty, bogged down process that I don't think would actually solve any issues. And straw purchases, of course. Yeah, get rid of those. Th- that I'm one's that. that one's a little bit interesting to me too because it's like. I don't think that's going to stop. Like, I don't think the fear of penalty is going to stop straw purchases. Well, and that's the thing. Well, yeah, like, I mean, it might, but like, here's the thing. It's like, one thing that doesn't bother me about it either is like, because you and I can both legally own guns, Mm -hmm. I can still buy you a gun and give it to you as a gift. That's Mm -hmm. no problem. It's buying a gun for you. If you don't, if the government doesn't think you deserve one because of felonies, crimes and things like that. So, like, I can still go and buy people guns. It's just giving them the people who aren't supposed to have them. And the other thing is, like, how do you know? You know, how do you know, how do you know that I'm legally not supposed to have a firearm? I haven't told you. Are you supposed to be the one that looks that up? No, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 it's just... And, and I know various state laws are different with regards to straw purchases. I understand they're, they're, not, they're not the same everywhere, but in the states in which they're pretty damn loose, how do you know? Yeah, oh, Ryan actually said, yeah, a lot of these gun reforms are pathetic, light bullshit, performative. And that's what I was kind of saying about the red flag law. It just it just sounds like something like that might try to help someone sleep better. Well, and th- and that's but it ain't it ain't going to do nothing. And well, and that's the thing. It, it's like it's really hard to hate on it too hard for me only because it's like what do we keep seeing? We keep seeing, you know, you, you Ryan, you're talking about just for show. We keep seeing all these politicians, Republican and Democrat both, getting on TV and talking about, well, we need to do something. And it's all just a bunch of political theater. You know, you got a Matthew, lot of it is, yeah. You they, got Matthew they, McConaughey going to the White House and saying fucking nothing. And so, like, whether I like the speech, though, is pretty emotional. Whether or not it's for show, it's at least a little bit encouraging, even if it's only 2% encouraging to see these two sides coming together and maybe trying to do something now here's the thing this is not set in stone right this still this this still has to be written in a way where you're going to keep all 10 of these republicans on board because if you lose one of them that brings the filibuster in play and the whole thing's fucking dead so i have a feeling this is going to change a little bit in certain areas um because i think it's probably going to have to in order for this bill to get to the floor and actually get the vote that the democrats need to get it to pass yeah yeah no it's and i think like the biggest one that's gonna be the most important one is the mental health support 
if the money goes to the right places, but I'm not holding my breath. And the increased background checks, you know, like a process for under 21, like the Buffalo shooter, for example, he was, the the FBI, he was held into place. He was held in like mental health institutions and stuff. There's no way he should have been able to buy a gun. Well, and the other thing too is, and and I don't see that anywhere, at least in the initial agreement. Um, Maybe it's, maybe it's there and I, and I'm missing it. Uh, If it is, anybody can correct me, but um, longer waiting periods at least for people 18 to 21, if you're going to increase the background checks, because when people bring up the word infringe, making you wait two weeks for a gun is not infringing on your second amendment rights. However, however, I have heard this argument and it wasn't, it wasn't a bad one. I listened to it and I respected it. If you make people wait two weeks, who's to say that there's not going to be a new law four years down the line that says you have to wait two months. Now you have to wait four months. Now you have to wait six months. I do understand the slippery slope argument there. Um, I, I don't think it's a ridiculous thing to say. I don't. I don't necessarily think about it that way, but I do respect that argument. Yeah, yeah, no, it is like everything. You know, like once you, you know, everything is can be utilized in a very negative way. Like once you get your foot in the door with something, it's hard to get the foot out. Um, but there are things that we can do. There's things that we can do to fix this issue without infringing on people's rights. And, uh, and like, like Ryan said, it's a bad faith excuse about the mental health reform. And I agree because of the fact that the, the Republicans are constantly saying, oh, it's a mental health issue, but they're not doing shit about it. Mm-hmm. I am a huge advocate of like mental health reform and things like that. And to the point where it's like, I don't think we need just to talk about mental health just because every once in a while someone loses their shit and goes and kills kids. And I know saying it like that's very trivialized, but it's the way our, our society looks at it. It just gets trivialized because it makes it uncomfortable for other people. So then they say, Oh, we have to do something. Well, then why? And but there's, we... there's 30,000 people a year that are committing suicide with a gun and we're not doing shit about it where if we just take the rifle away from these six or seven kids who are ki- six or seven teenagers who are killing kids, there's still going to be millions of people who have mental health issues that are so distraught that they're either taking their own lives or taking other people's lives because they think it's the only way that their voices can be heard. And I think that we can circumvent some of this and undo the damage that's that we're just not seeing. And not just the damage that we see when these like atrocities happen, but the damage that we don't see that's in people's psyches day in and day out and millions of people in our country are dealing with and that's just it the damage the damage that we don't see why is it that we only bring up mental health when we're talking about uh mass shootings or gender issues it's the only time you ever anybody ever talks about mental health nobody nobody talks about you know nobody talks about the kid that takes his own life unless it's like you know sometimes there's that that weird anecdotal story that gets that gets put out there but it's like yeah, Rye's right. It, it it it's a it's it's a it's a bad faith excuse to not actually talk about the compl- because they don't do anything the, about the, it. The exactly. complexity of the problem. Like I just I don't understand how you can look at the amount of gun deaths we have in this country and not have a good faith discussion about how how many guns we have is part of the problem, but also the mental health. And I'm not the and I'm not a person. I'm a two way guy, right? Uh, but I am the kind of person that it thinks it's it's okay for common sense regulations. Now, common sense is a buzzword, right? Everybody uses it. Nobody knows what it, what it actually means. Uh, but, you know, if you just look up what common sense actually means, uh, it's pretty simple to figure out. So, I mean, it, it is both, but neither side wants to have the discussion about it being both. 
right? They, they want to pick their corner and stand in it forever so that nothing gets done. Because yeah, again, because if it's, they because just want to to their bases. If it's the other side's fault, we don't have to do anything. Yeah, and it's yeah, they just want to pander to their bases. They just want to just say what they can to get reelected because they don't give a shit. And it's like it's that's what's frustrating me because I think that we can really tackle a mental health issue. And right now, there's actual gumption from the American people to actually do something about it. But uh, they're out of touch. Yeah. They're out of touch. They're out of touch. Thing. Just look at Twitter. Yeah. Look at the January 6th hearings. They're out of touch. They yeah. don't give a shit about what we care about. Right. And no, you're absolutely right. Part of the problem is the duopoly. There's things that can be done. And both sides are so shitty with it because, like, when we talk, when he said there's very deliberate reform to help minimize shootings, it's not rocket science. And he's right. Like, the Democrats, they could just offer simple things that we could actually work on to make it happen. But instead, they offer things that they know aren't going to pass intentionally because then they go, Oh, well, look, we tried. You got to make sure you vote for us. Because if you don't, then those other guys are going to be in charge. Yeah. No, well, and the other thing is, especially when it comes to the gun stuff. <laughs> he said even leftists are falling into this vicious <laughs> cycle. They're buying up guns and it fuels this culture. No, yeah, it's, even it's, Karl Marx said the worker must be armed. It's 100%. And, and, <laughs> every, and every time these discussions get brought up, I mean, the gun, the, the, the gun manufacturers love it. Because oh, yeah, everybody's going to the store to buy a gun, so you're 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 hurting your own cause by just spouting off at the mouth and not doing anything. And and part of the problem with this is that uh, Republicans and Democrats, at least when it comes to Congress, and certainly when it comes to you know the the fringes on the far left and the far right, they are so absolutist about this fucking issue. They are so absolutist about it. There's nowhere. For compromise within this. right and, and that's the thing is, that's why this bill coming out actually like it's, it's surprising that they're actually going this far with it and i think like i said i think that if we that's the encouraging part these, like that's it's insane to me part. that we have background checks for pistols but we don't for rifles raise the age to 21 maybe and this is even just a background check for gun buyers under 21 i think that like me being a very pro 2a guy I think that raising the uh, rifle rage up to 21 is fine. There's ways that you can get around this, you know, because people will be like, oh, well, my son hunts and, you know, and shit like that. Then sure, if your son hunts, he can use a rifle under adult supervision at 18, you know, things like that. You can hunt, at, you can hunt up to, I think, starting at 12. Yeah, and then with at, a rifle, and then at the you know, and like then you can still do time, all that. The no compromise people are always like, what's their slogan? Um, what's their slogan? It's a, uh, Second Amendment ain't about duck hunting. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're not helping your cause by saying this wacky shit, dude. Yeah. And we know that. <laughs> Everybody knows that that's not what the Second Amendment's about. It's not about duck hunting. We get it. It doesn't say you have the right to hunt ducks anywhere within the Second Amendment. I don't know. It's just uh, I, I'm, I am, I guess what I would say is I'm encouraged by the fact that, that there's a, at least a, a bipartisan discussion. However, I'm very cynical about whether or not anything effective is actually going to come out of it. Yeah, I like, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping something does, dude. If anything, if anything comes out of that, like the mental health stuff, and I, not just because it's just an expedient trope, like uh, Rai was saying, as like an excuse, because I really think. The mental like take the guns away completely. Take the guns away. Let's say let's say there's no more guns tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We're still dealt with an issue where there's tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people in this country 
who are so mentally distraught that they want to hurt other people or themselves. And that's that's an argument that leans you a little bit, or at least me, a little bit towards the right, right-ish narrative on this is because if you take all the guns away, you still have a lot of shitty mental health and people that want to hurt people. If you take the mental health problems away and you still have the guns, you don't have the people that want to hurt the people, so the guns aren't going to hurt anybody, if that makes sense. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like, in a circle there. But yeah, it's... Uh, like, yeah, you take the guns away and then all of a sudden, like, that's it. That solves our problem. Does that mean that we just don't give a shit about people then? Because the fact that we don't care about all these people with other mental health problems because they're not hurting others that we don't care. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, look, the, the fact of the matter is uh, Republicans have to get behind the idea of figuring out I mean, getting experts, like people that actually know the numbers, understand psychology, they have to be okay with getting together and figuring out what makes sense as far as legislation about guns. And people on the left need to understand that we have guns in this country and we have to figure out a way to fucking live with them. And we have to be as responsible as hell with them. They're not going away. No, honestly, I'd say like we have a sex, like we have a sexual education class in school. Maybe we should have a gun safety class. Maybe we should have more, you know, like it's, there's things we can do if these guns are going to be a part of our culture, like we say they are, and it doesn't look like they're going anywhere, especially now that we have a conservative court, then we need to really, really uh, focus on the mental health of people in this country that are going to be dealing with these guns. He's right. Yeah, right. You are right. Actually, it is the, it is the doors, you know, it just, these damn doors, these damn teachers propping doors open, right? If there was just a guy there with a gun to protect the kids, it's like, oh, wait, they just stood outside. How about, how about we do this? How about minutes. we do this? Every school has a former military person, and we just take all the doors off. <laughs> <laughs> that way nobody yeah. can blame the about, doors how about, anymore. How about in every school we just add 15 soldiers like for Israel, and then we just get rid of all the doors? <laughs> doors and windows, just wide open. Even in the winter, uh, fuck you, kids. You know, you're going to freeze to death. You're not going to no, get damn. shot, but you're going to freeze to death. This is what we do, Dan. We arm the children. Ah, there you go. Now you got it. <laughs> now you've figured it out. We've yeah, solved no, the I, problem. I hate, and like stuff like that too. Like when it's said, that's just like that's just. I feel like it's like a bad faith conversation. Just oh, if we if we only had a guard, sad. Just put more guards in. It's like you sure because that's didn't work in Buffalo and it didn't. What was the one city? Um. Oh, uh, Parkland. When you saw like the actual footage of the cop hiding behind the pillar, yeah, the the Florida shooting, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. We could talk ourselves in circles on this for forever, but I'm encouraged, but not optimistic about this yeah. bipartisan agreement. If anything, just the mental health, the expanded background checks, I, and they're not even talking about raising the age to 21, which is something I'm for. Just everything on checks. here, I'm pretty on point with, except for just the red flag law. I can see that being abused ridiculously. Uh, the USA Today, Corey. Or do you want to do How Woke is Too Woke first? Let's do USA uh, Today. Yeah, USA Today. This is a a little story. Where, I, I where have, is that? USA Today, today creating credibility? I have too many goddamn tabs open. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> there it is. Uh, so the um, USA Today has removed 23 stories from its website after an internal investigation found that one of its journalists had apparently fabricated quotes in her stories. Gabriella Miranda, who was a breaking news reporter, has resigned. Miranda could not be immediately reached for comment. The New York Times was first to report the news. 
this to me is is it's good and bad at the same time. It's good. Yeah. It's bad because this is an admission that the mainstream news media fucking lies. It's also good because this is an admission that the mainstream news media fucking lies. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's a good and bad. Yeah, it gives fodder to the cutards. Oh, yeah, that's the bummer of it, isn't it? And and yeah. all of us who honestly, like people like you and I who do look at news with a healthy dose of skepticism, we always try to find a second source. We try to find outlets that are biased that lean left and right. So, but for the average person who doesn't do that, seeing this, oh, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's good and bad because it's good to show that they actually are trying to stay credible. And like a show is that they're trying to gain their credibility by getting rid of like bad, like people who uh, aren't doing their job. Right. But it also shows that like the news isn't doing their job. Right. In certain scenarios. Well, And, and I think it shows the, you know, the activist journalist that people have, that we've been talking about now, probably at least since 2016 uh, when Trump was elected, this activist journalism, people don't appreciate it. People don't want it. And hopefully what this shows is that the USA Today is going, uh, yeah, we're not going to have this anymore. Because, look, we talked about, we've talked about Taylor Lorenz. We've talked about the Washington Post. You know, we've talked about the lies from the mainstream media and about how infuriating it is to people like you and I, Corey, because when you talk about Trump or you talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene or you talk about Lauren Boebert and you talk about all these fucking crazy people – they, the actual story is crazy enough. Why do you right, have to make up lies? And yeah, and make stuff up. Yeah, yeah. I hate it. I hate it. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. It's uh, it's it's good to see the news outlet like catching itself and then admitting it. And like they could have just not said anything and let these twenty three articles just fall into the abyss. But they straight up removed them from their website. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is like. When any of these other, you know, major publications, typically the ones that lean left, but the ones that lean right have done it as well, um, they'll they'll the, the story will just kind of kind of go away. I think of I think of a lot of the uh, a lot of the coronavirus hype, right? I think of uh, I think of the way uh, Joe Rogan was reported on, for example, right, and about how they were there there was just lies about this man. There's lies about this man's politics, lies about. Um, how he felt about certain issues, and yeah. never a retraction. You know, the articles were never pulled down, and they're just off in the ether, and, oh, well, people will just forget because there'll be another fake news. I don't even like using that term. I'm going to redact that statement. There'll be another... You're going to USA and take your statement down? Yeah, there'll be, a, there'll be another, uh, there'll be another uh, overreactionary news story tomorrow is how I'll phrase it, I guess. Yeah, that's what he just said, actually, Ryan. And I hope I hope you follow and subscribe, Ryan. You're, yeah, yeah. you're bringing. Yeah, it seems you're enjoying the conversation. It looks. He goes at the. He goes, to be fair, we can't. He goes. What kind of editors do they hire if they don't do shit? <laughs> <laughs> they hire them to put out uh, clickbait <coughs> uh, headlines. That's what they do. And then you click on the article, and the article has nothing to do with the headline. <laughs> I love that right. stuff. People will post an article based on the headline. You open the article it has nothing to do with what the fucking headline says. Yep. But all right. And yeah. And like Good the start. big story always gets more than the redaction. And that's, what's frustrating too. Like you have to like almost look for it. Well, yeah, because what's is a, is the Washington post going to report 
that they redacted a story. No, it's going to be no, up to they'll the report on someone else doing it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. New York Post redacts or uh, retracts story about QAnon being real or whatever. Remember when they were all losing their shit reporting on how the Daily Beast had to re- uh, apologize to that uh, laptop repairman of Hunter Biden, saying that he stole it when he didn't. <laughs> They're about to get their asses sued for defamation, so they sent out an actual apology. That's funny. <laughs> they they probably paid somebody too. Let's be honest, had to have. Should we do some some municipalities rethinking policing? Yeah, I don't have that article pulled up, but that's that's your that's your bag. Okay, so this is a, I think this is a, a conversation worth having. So Lansing here in Michigan and other police agencies rethink value of minor traffic stops. Our state so capital, you, don't you know? Yeah, it's, it's the state capital of us Michiganders. <laughs> so the Congolese immigrant Patrick Loyal was killed in Grand Rapids by a police officer early this month after a tussle following a traffic stop for a mismatched plate. Well, not this month. That was in May, I think, right? When was this article? This wrote, nope, this article was written in April. So it's a couple months old. But so, but anyways, so Lansing, they're not going to pull over motorists for minor traffic violations, such as a cracked taillight or an ornament hanging from a mirror. Uh, they're joining police agencies, including Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Seattle, and the state of Virginia that recently took similar steps as departments rethink the value of having police conduct low-level traffic stops, especially when they end in tragedy. And it just shows that uh, the policies are influenced in, by cases in which black motorists were shot following vehicle stops, and as analysis of traffic data show, black motorists are probably more, far more likely to be pulled over and searched than white drivers. And so what they're going to do basically is they just, you know, they run your plate. If you have an infraction, they just, they just mail it to you. And what's, what's, what I like about this is when it comes to like some of the shittiest interactions with police is being pulled over. They're walking up to a car, whether they don't know who the person is inside. That person is, you know, nervous and like frustrated. They're getting pulled over. He had to deal with someone who has a gun. The officer is nervous because he's walking up think, with the with the idea that the other person might have a gun. It's just a tense. It's just a tense interaction that could ultimately be straight up just avoided. Like if you have the car, you have the license plate, you could just send the ticket to their house. Well, and here's 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 what's interesting. I like this and I don't like it at the same time. I like this for the sheer fact of just having less police interactions because, you know, sorry to sound like the libertarian in the room here, but but, but police aren't your friends. Uh, what I don't like about it is I, I almost feel like this is going to make cops a little bit ticket happy, if you know what I mean. Like knowing that they don't have to go. Work? Yeah, knowing that they don't have to go through the through the. Uh, rigor of pulling you over, collecting your info, going back to the car, coming back, and and so I feel like they're going to get a little bit more ticket happy. And again, not to sound like the libertarian in the room, but I really hate the idea of getting a ticket for doing seventy five and a seventy on an empty road. Um, I, that's nothing. That's literally nothing. But I, hey, what 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 would an anarchist libertarian call it, Corey? Theft. Yeah, theft. It is theft uh, from the state. Exactly. It's the yeah. It's it's a poor tax. Yeah. So anything I, that's fined is just uh, something that's legal with a price. Anything that's illegal and the punishment is a fine is something that is legal with a price. 
Yeah, so I like it for the fact that we're not going to have as many unnecessary police interactions, but I hate it for possible ticket happiness. I'll be actually curious to see uh, how how far up Aubrey. theft in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> how far how far up in uh, um, traffic's moving violations? Maybe Lansing or some of these other municipalities go once this once this is put in place. I'd be really interested to see what the numbers. It'd be interesting are. to see the data. Yeah, maybe like maybe we we'll have to try to remember that and look at that a year from now. We won't Somebody because then also we have to look at how like if it's uh is arbitrary or something like that. Like how well is that going to go in a court system when there's not an interaction? Mm-hmm. And it's a month later, and then the cop and then, you know, and you get the ticket that says you have a busted taillight. Please report. You know, to this. You you go in and you go. Well, it's fixed already. And then it just gets what thrown out. I get yeah, that's usually what you I mean have you you've never, have you ever <coughs> Jesus. You ever had a fix it ticket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like a lot of these would just be fix it tickets and stuff. Yeah, so not a big But less interaction. Yeah. I just yeah, just any law that's made is ultimately enforced by a guy with a gun. And if we can circumvent you having to deal with a guy with a gun, you're circumventing you having to deal with somebody who might ultimately be your judge, jury, and executioner. Now the hope would be because I grew up in a in a small town just north of Detroit. It's about two square miles. We still had our own police department. Really small town. Most it's a small town to paint it inside, surrounded by a bunch of big towns. Small, you weren't just in the middle of nowhere. No, no, yet. no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> small, small suburb, but st- same basic concept, right? Like everybody knows everybody. You know who all your city council people are. You know your mayor. You know everybody that lives in this, in the, in the town. And we had our own police department. Town still has it, and it was always. It was always the running joke of what the fuck do Clawson police actually do? Well, I know exactly what they do because I've watched them. They sit downtown. They wait to pull over drunks. They wait to pull pull over speeders downtown. I've watched them. We, 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 we've all of us have watched them. And so I look at that and I go, th- those are the types of municipalities that I'd be a lot more afraid because they already have nothing to do. Now they don't have to pull anybody over. They're going to be writing a shit ton of tickets. Because they don't even have to get out of the car now. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I'm hoping that like this levels out. Like if we see less dead people, then I'm happy. It's gonna it's gonna lower the temperature on the gauge, the pressure gauge of like the hostilities between the American people and the police force. Corey, how woke is too woke? Oh, let me tell you how woke too woke is, Dan. I'll tell you how woke too woke is. Perpetuating the school to prison pipeline because children. Use the wrong words. Is that yep. basically how you put it? Or how, how the Daily Mail put it, which is a pretty liberal publication, to be honest. Uh, you, want me to, you want me to set it up? Or you want to set that it up? That is far too much. Two young, furious parents rally at Virginia Middle School as board suggests punishing children for malicious misgendering and dead naming if they use trans classmates' old names. Yeah, so fair, the fair, uh, a Fairfax County school board in Virginia is weighing punishing kids for quote malicious misgendering if dead name if they dead name trans classmates. Um, I look at this and I go, what if like and I understand this is just an anecdotal example, but what if you have like the valedictorian of the class who's grown up with this person right next to them? And they've been friends, and this person just transitioned and just changed their name and just looks over at them. Hey, Jenny, can I borrow a pencil? And Jenny isn't Jenny anymore. She's now Benny, or he's now Benny. 
Is the valedictorian suspended from school for dead naming Benny? And then throw yeah, pretty much. That's what like so I was looking at the actual uh <clears throat> I'm looking at I have a PDF file right here of the school board's uh like regulations and rules and stuff like that. And it's considered a level four, which is like suspension. The only thing and it's up there and like it's up there with like altering an official document, giving false information to staff, fighting, like it's 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 uh yeah, it's it's up there with gambling and possession of like uh weapons and now does it say drugs. anything does it say anything about like racial or homophobic slurs? Like can yes. I can, okay, so it does it does include that as well? I was gonna say like, yeah, like using slurs based upon the actual or perceived race, ethnicity, okay. color, national origin, citizenship, immigration status, weight, gender, gender identity. Now I get bullying someone, yeah. but that's a separate category of its own. If you bully someone, then you're sort of bullying someone and then it has to stop. But when you have kids who are still trying to guess exactly what's going on. And then they just say someone's name, or like, or they're like, the name that they've you know, known they come them from by a super for twelve religious years. Household. Yeah, or the they name come from that, a yeah. super religious household, and they go, "Well, my parents said that that's not true. You're still a boy, or you're still a girl. We're now going to be literally perpetuating the school to prison pipeline of putting records on these kids at a young age that can seriously jeopardize their futures." We're talking kids who are just might just off the cuff say something silly that now we're going to make it to where because they said something silly that even though it might have offended somebody, we're going to ruin their whole life over it. Yeah. And Corey, suspension is like, it's like a really serious thing to do, right? Because yeah, you, you, you're you, out of school for a week. Yeah. You have a record now. You have things that happen. Like you're not. <clears throat> I have a feeling that if you have suspensions on your record, when schools look at your transcript and look at your school record, you're going to be overlooked to a kid who didn't have that on his record. And especially if it's something on his record about like malicious misgendering. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they, they wouldn't get into college anyway. They wouldn't be allowed to buy any college other than like Liberty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like that, that's it. Sorry, you're going to Liberty College now for the rest well, of your you life. Sure as shit ain't going to Georgetown. Right. You ain't going anywhere in Boston. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, Goodbye so, I to mean, your whole college like, future. Do you, do you remember going? I mean, you and I were in high school not that long ago, guys. Uh, 12 years. Jesus Christ. Uh, 15. Do, do you remember? Oh do, you remember God. do you remember kids getting suspended? Like it would happen. But it was a pretty rare occurrence. Like you had to do yeah, was, something pretty bad. Like I was one of them. I got suspended a couple times. But it's it was always something like fighting or like looting uh, the parking lot camera. Fit really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happened to me. Phys- <laughs> physically touching a teacher, like in a in a violent way. But it's like, but how long were you suspended? A day? Yeah, I had to go and talk to the principal and me or the vice principal. Me and him were on a first name basis, and he's like, Corey, what is this? And I was like, what? And he pulls up this picture of me bent over, showing my ass. And then he goes, like, oh, come on. Come on, Steve. How do you know that's me? And he goes, because of this. And then afterwards, you see me looking up at the camera and like having this like surprise, but like giggly look at my face. Like an idiot. Like, why would you look yeah. at the camera after after you just showed it your brown eye? Yeah. 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 Corey, so I, I didn't did know you had three brown eyes. eyes. Yeah. I have blue eyes, two blue eyes, and one brown eye. It's better than having. Anyways. it's better than having two brown eyes and a blue eye. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So yeah, you can get suspended, but it's still like a serious thing. I also wasn't planning on going to Georgetown or 
Boston College or anything like that. But but this this is uh, this is this is a lot like the what was it in Canada the the thing Jordan Peterson freaked out about was it Prop nineteen or Prop sixteen or whatever the one where uh, um, you were legally bound to use words like you were legally bound to call people by their preferred genders like this is what this this is forced speech yeah this and you know this what? is a First <clears throat> Amendment violation it is I'm someone who advocates being you know, accepting of anyone based on their race, creed, gender, identity, religion, ethnicity, everything. I think that if someone is intentionally calling another person like the wrong gender of what they want to be called. That could be considered harassment. I get that. It's an asshole move. It's a, it, you're an asshole. Okay. Like if someone goes, yeah, I'm transitioning. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to be a man now instead of a woman or vice versa. In your own head, you can be like, okay, that doesn't make any sense to me. But it takes a real asshole to fucking intentionally go you know what i'm still gonna call you a man (laughs) and it's like okay well you're just a dick but being a dick is being a dick all of a sudden now like we're gonna make it like a a uh an offense to where it's can potentially ruin the lives of kids where where kids are dicks already by nature yeah but and there's a point where it becomes bullying right like like let's take let's let's take it back to our day in school right like uh a, a slur that we like to throw around a lot was we would call people gay like that was like an insult, right? You like you just call somebody gay. If you did that over and over and over again and you and you were harassing a kid and they went to the principal or whomever, you'd be brought in and you would be getting in trouble for for using that word with that person over and over again. I could see that applying if you if you just keep calling somebody a man who identifies as a woman. If you do right, it, but if that's you do it, bullying. You don't need to make right. it a special thing because do it, you can use the once. same word as stupid, dumbass, right. idiot, fucker. You could use any sort of word. And if you're what do they always tell you too? Somebody, what do they always tell you? Avoid that kid. Just don't go yeah. near him anymore. Just don't go near him anymore. They would say that both to the person who's being bullied and to the bully. Right. We can't, and yeah, we can't and like, just keep just doing it. that. There's, there's laws put in place to stop harassment in general. We don't need to ruin the lives of other dumbass kids by making a special exception to something that has a crazier, crazier, you know, punishment in the name of wokeism. I mean, it's, it's silly to me. To me, it's forced speech. And it's, it's like- forced speech. And all we're going to do is we're going to open up the door to put more kids back into the school to prison pipeline, which is something that I thought that liberals were super concerned with. No, it not if it doesn't have, it has to do with not identity is more important is what I is what I was trying to say. Yeah, apparently identity because we talk important. about how, you know what I mean, like it's proven that when kids get suspended, it leads to a higher chance of them being put in jail later years. It, it's there's so much negative kind of t- negative aspects to being suspended. But now it's so arbitrary that we're going to suspend people because they might say something that we don't like. The other thing about this story that is kind of weird is that the board is also deliberating mixing boys and girls in sex education classes. Now, I look at that and I think to myself, because we're not deep enough into this, um, how old are these kids? If we're talking about like seniors in high school, okay, I think that's probably fine to have boys and girls in the same sex ed classes. But if we're talking about, you know, Fifth, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, like when you first kind of start to get into that opting in and out of sex education, now that's kind of fucking weird. Yeah. So my school system, uh, sixth grade, which is technically middle school by some standards and some uh, 
districts, my school district, they went kindergarten to sixth, and then seventh, eighth, ninth, and then tenth, eleventh, twelfth. We had three different schools. And when we had the first sex ed class, like, you know, like right when around the age where everyone's starting to hit puberty, which is like sixth grade, um, they separated us. It was boys and girls. Mm-hmm. But then when I was in 10th grade in high school, it was it was combined. Yep. Health, it it was, was, they call it health class, right? Yeah, health class. Mm-hmm. And then there was points where we talked about, like, you know, the body anatomy and things like that. And, like, that makes sense to me. It's important. I think it's important when you're more mature like that to be in a room with both sides because then you're getting questions that you might not think about and questions that asking would make you giggle that someone on the other side might just have an actual question and things like that. But uh, as kids, I don't know. I don't know if kids are mature enough at six. You know, I remember the whole class of boys giggling at the animation when they showed the penis <laughs> rise up. And if you, you had girls in the mix, like, <laughs> how'd you know <laughs> no but in sixth grade you add girls to the he's mix got a great memory gonna, this guy they're just not gonna learn shit they're all just gonna be making jokes and giggling yeah it's not about inclusiveness it's about education when it comes to certain things i don't know what that means it's, so i don't know what that means i mean if if you know, like if you're talking about high school age kids sharing a sex ed class i think that's that's probably okay i don't think there's right. anything too too woke about that but what is too woke is suspending kids for using words so there you go uh what did we have left Corey? we had, we, had, we forgot one thing what is it where did we get it all uh we got the red tide beginning at the southern border but we kind of talked about that already yeah that was the maya flores winning the 34th district deal uh, i think we covered everything well we, we do want to set something up for next week so speaking of identity and particularly gender identity uh, I'm not coming out. Relax. Uh, <laughs> Corey and I have decided to view a very, very controversial film by a very, very controversial figure that Corey and I generally don't really like very much. But you got to be fair. And we are going to be watching uh, Matt Walsh's What is a Woman from the Daily Wire. Yeah, Dan's making me watch this. To see what this is. I want to see what it's about. I want to see, is Matt fair? Is he trying to be a troll? Is he trying to push a narrative? Which I'm sure he probably is. But I I often think it's okay to push a narrative as long as you have a good point and as long as you're being fair. Um, And the reason I got interested in this, honestly, is because I saw a journalist that... Corey and I both very much respect who gave this movie a very fair review. Okay. And we're talking about Matt Taibbi. He's obviously been one of the, 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 uh, people that have been banished from, uh, big journalistic institutions. So he's on Substack now, but he's written two unbelievably good books, uh, with, he's written a lot of good books. Yeah. Two, two in particular that you and I really enjoy, um, that really deal with the, uh, polarization of this country and the way we talk to each other politically, uh, racially from an identity perspective. And so if, if Matt was willing to watch this film and give it a fair shake, I don't see a reason why Corey and I shouldn't do that. And we're, we're, we are going to talk about this movie next week uh, on the show and give you our takes and what we think about it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely have, that'll be a whole little topic. We're going to talk about Matt Walsh, the man who has the same last name as me. And with every fiber of my being, I disagree with ideologically, but the guy is a master troll. And sometimes I have to respect the troll. When, and we've talked about this because 
Ben Shapiro's the same way, Corey. It's like these guys, we disagree with them. We know what they're doing. The Daily Wire is, you know, is nothing more than another publication that is trying to grift off of the fears of conservatives. I mean, it's no better than what MSNBC does. It's no better than what Occupy Democrats does. They do the same fucking thing. The only thing that gives me an ounce of respect more for guys like Shapiro and Walsh is I do think they are in certain ways genuinely brilliant and genuinely smart but that They're doesn't mean smart. doesn't they know mean, how to they know how to leave facts out that's what pisses me off doesn't mean them. it's exact doesn't mean i have to like you so i think Corey and i are gonna have i think one of the things that makes me interested in you and i watching this film is i think you and i are gonna have in some ways similar opinions of it and I, but i also think we're gonna have some pretty major disagreements about it which is gonna be okay. an interesting conversation <laughs> I'm down. I don't think you and I. Get, I don't think you and I disagree often enough. <laughs> I know, right? That's one of the problems with this show, man. We got to get a dissenting voice on here. I know we're just like, we're two sensible people that like make decent arguments about sensible things with the other one, even if we disagreed on something. It's like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's what it's it's what it is to be an intellectual idiot. Corey, tell the people where they can find us. Yeah, you could. So thanks for joining the show and hanging out with us. You can find uh Libservative podcast on Facebook at Libservative. You can find us on Twitch and Twitter at Libservative pod. We are on uh, Instagram at Libservative pod. We are on, uh, you can reach to us directly at Libservative pod at gmail.com. You can read our transcripts from our monologues at Libservative podcast at wordpress.com. We are also on TikTok where we haven't made a video in a long time at Libservative podcast. Uh, like, follow, share, subscribe. Give us a good review on any of the podcast platforms you listen on. It tell helps your bump friends. The number up. Tell your friends. Yeah, just tell one friend. You hear something interesting on the show and you want to talk about it, make sure you tell your friend where you heard it. We're growing to something here. We like to enjoy it. We like to uh, encourage everyone to join the conversation. New episodes weekly, new posts daily. We live stream every Thursday. Like, follow, share. You've been listening to Libservative. He's been Corey Walsh. And he has been Dan Griffin. And we are out of here. Peace. We the people cannot stand that.